Good morning. As Paul said, during September, we're, we're recapping the focus that we gave for this year. And we talked about endeavouring to be greater. We talked about getting on board with things. And when you hear testimony like Baz and Joe, you see the benefit of doing that. We talked about bringing the daily into your lives. And as you bring the daily in, then it can be life transforming. And that's one of the things that I've been asked to talk about this morning. And, you know, the one thing that we encouraged you to do as a congregation, and whether you started then or whether you've joined us since, you can start today. You can carry on today. If you started and then it's sort of gone, a little, oh, stop doing it, I'll start again today. But we encouraged you daily to pray the Lord's Prayer. And then earlier in the year, we did... There are about eight-week-long series on the Lord's Prayer. And if you go on SoundCloud, you can catch up on that. And there's a week for every line of the Lord's Prayer online. You can go and listen to it and unpack it on there. But I've been given one morning to do the whole of the Lord's Prayer. So it's going to be a bit of a whistle-stop tour. So please bear with me and get ready to have fire flying off your pens, hopefully. It will be helpful to you. So this morning, my focus is the Lord's Prayer. So I just thought, it, well, let's read it. It helps, doesn't it? So Matthew 6, 9 to 13 in the NIV says this. This then, and this is Jesus talking. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And you know, the Lord's Prayer was given at a time in Israel's history. It was given to the Israelites by Jesus. And it was steeped and steeped and steeped upon a history of faith. It was steeped upon a history and a tradition of a God who saved and of a God who kept his promises. It was steeped upon a history of the Psalms and of miracles and of the prophets and of the promises of God and of deliverance and just amazing and wonderful things when you look through the Old Testament of what God did. So the Lord's Prayer is based on that deep and rich history. It was given to a people who understood that their God was faithful, who understood that their God was good, who understood that their God was just, who understood that their God forgave, who understood that their God was there and was their father and was the creator of the whole universe and who gave promise after promise after promise in the Old Testament of things that were to come. And Jesus came and gave this prayer it was steeped upon these promises. But it was also a generation that had bore through hundreds of years of silence from God as well. So there were people who had this rich and magnificent history of the wonders and the promises of God and this amazing God. Yet it was also a people who had this history where God could be silent too. Let's just read in Hebrews 10. Verse 23 from the NLT. It says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. And you might think, Well, what's that got to do with the Lord's Prayer? 
The whole point, I believe, is that we can base the Lord's Prayer not just on what we're asking for, but there's also something behind that that says this is who God is. So actually what you're asking for has already been done. What you're asking for is already there. What you're asking for is already provided for you. But do you know it? Do you know it? Do you know those promises? Do you know what God promises to give you? Do you know who God is and who he is to you? And the Lord's Prayer is there, I believe, is a daily reminder to us of who we can be in God. In the abundance of who he is, and also at times in the silence of who he is. And that through that on a daily basis, that God is there, it's there to reassure you and remind you on a daily basis. It's there to, to, to deepen your relationship with him. It's not a desperate plea to a faraway God. Oh God, forgive me my sins. Oh God, help me in this. Oh God, give me my daily bread. Because we're desperate and we're hoping for it. And it'd be really nice if God did. But actually it's about relationship. It's about depth. It's about reminding you that God is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. That God is faithful and when forgive us our sins. That God is all of these things that we can cry out Abba Father to him the Lord's prayer is a daily reminder to us I believe that God is good and faithful and it's about bringing our thinking and our emotions and our soul in line with the truth of who God is and was and is to come so this morning I believe the Lord's Prayer is a reminder of that ancient echo of God's promises and introduces us into who we can be. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about things that can be. And I've got eight points just to make a change because I normally have three, so I thought I'd throw it all out the water. So brace yourselves, here they come. So who can we be in and through God as a reminder in the Lord's Prayer? So this is the first one. We can be long. It says at the beginning, our Father in heaven. It begins with it. The whole of the Lord's Prayer begins with it. So at the beginning of all things, at the beginning of who you are, do you know that you belong to him as your father, that you are his son, you are his daughter, you belong to him. And at the beginning of your journey, at the beginning of anything that you build upon, can I encourage you, know and go on a journey to know that he is our father. And very often it's the first hurdle that we can face you know, you're not unwanted. You're not unwanted. You've got an inheritance. You are wanted. You are provided for. You are written about and provision has been made for you. God wants to call you into a proximity with him because it says he is our father. So at the beginning of all things, be long to him 
Galatians 4 verse 7 says this. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. You're not a slave anymore. You don't have to be a slave to your fear. You don't have to be a slave to your worry. You don't have to be a slave to your circumstances. You don't have to be a slave to your job. You don't have to be a slave in those relationships that keep beating and beating and beating. You no longer have to be a slave because God says, you are my own. And daily as you pray the Lord's Prayer, be reminded that you belong to your Father in heaven. And you know, be long. It's not about rushing away. It speaks of closeness. Be long. Be long. Spend that time. Be a long time with God. Spend a long time in his presence. He invites you. He wants you. He doesn't just want you to turn up and go, oh God, it's me again. I know you don't really like me, but it's just me and I'm just here. See you later. God loves you. God wants your time. I remember as a child, and I'm very privileged because I have a wonderful, wonderful dad. And I remember as a child on a Sunday afternoon, Sunday afternoon was dad's nap time. It still happens. He's retired, but it still happens. So he would sit in the chair that he favours the most and it would go to sleep and he would snore. And I knew as a young child that if I went and snuggled on his knee, it was just the best place to be. It was warm. There was a mixture of brute and, dare I say it, sweat. And I really liked it. And he, he, he's got a little bit of a belly thing going on that if you see him, it, you know, it's just a love pillow. And you would just, I would just snuggle into him and you just, it was like, it just pat your belly pillow down. And, and I lo- as a child, I loved it. As an adult, probably when I, before I got married, when I was in my, my late teens, I would still try and get on his knee sometimes and think, it's just not, it seems as much room. I know I've not grown much, but I've grown a bit too much to fit on there but I used to love them long hugs with my dad and if I was lucky I fell asleep as well and it was just wonderful but it wasn't awkward he was he didn't want me to get off he loved just spending the time with me and yet sometimes you give some people a hug and it's like do they want to hug do they not want to hug they want a longer hug than I want um pat, pat off you get <laughs> And sometimes it's a bit awkward because you're not sure. You don't know, really know what they want. They don't really know what you want. That's not why I pat you, though, love. I just, that's, I love you. I've just seen how your brain's working because I often give poor little Pat. Let's not go there. <laughs> Quite embarrassed myself there, anyway. So let's move on. But there was no awkwardness in them cuddles with my dad. It was fine. Yet sometimes this can be so much awkwardness. We can feel awkward. Is it okay to spend this time with God? God wants you to be long. Be a long time with him. He is desperate to spend time with you. Our Father in heaven, be long to him. You're not unwanted. You're not alone. The truth is that you belong and you belong to him. The next one is this, be in 
says, hallowed be your name. Last week, Paul spoke on breaking cycles. And one of the things that he said was that thanks and praise giving takes you into the presence of God. So Psalm 100, verse 4, and it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. If you want to get into God, if you want to get closer to God, come in with thanks and praise. God, I thank you for these circumstances. God, I thank you for these people. This thing might be quite difficult, but God, I'm going to thank you that you are faithful in it. I'm going to thank you for your goodness in my hard times. I'm going to thank you for the wonderful things that happen in the good times. But when we give thanks, it takes us in. We can be in. And you know, we all want to be in, don't we? We all want to be in. Sometimes we don't feel like we're cool enough. That's probably not a cool word anymore. <laughs> Can't be honest. it. Sometimes we don't feel like we're smart enough. Sometimes we don't feel like we dress in the right way. We haven't got the latest trainers. We haven't got the coolest bag. We haven't got the best car. We haven't got the house that everyone else is going for at this time. And we all want to be in. I remember as a child at primary school, two of the local primary schools, the one that I attended and and another one, put on like a bikeability course. And so I think it was on a Saturday morning. So I went along to it with this BMX bike. It was not a cool BMX bike. It wasn't. It was like everyone was into these mountain rally, rally things. Yeah? No. Well, whatever. That was what everyone else was riding on. And I went with this old second-hand BMX. And oh my word, I met some children that morning that would not forgive me for coming on this BMX that was just not in at all. And that was just not like everyone else had got. And so I spent the whole morning, that morning, at the bikeability, being ribbed by these other kids because it wasn't cool enough what I was riding. And it wasn't the same as everyone else. And you're, who are you? And the things that they said. And it hurts. And then I realized I've got to go back again next week. (laughs) And so I spent the whole week manipulating and twisting and begging my parents as much as I could because I was scared to death of going back again and facing again not being in and not being a part and not being good enough and my parents bless them for right or wrong they brought me a new bike before I went back and you know what I went back and they ripped me anyway because I'd had a new bike and because the other one was rubbish. Oh, you've had a new bike now, have you? Oh, you think you're in now, do you? <laughs> yes, I do, if you're listening. <laughs> and I have forgiven them, praise the Lord. <laughs> but you know what? God says, enter my gates with thanksgiving and come in into my courts with praise and I tell you something if you are in with the king of kings and the lord of lords you are in everywhere you go and with anyone you meet and they need to come in line with his presence in his purposes in his love in his joy because he will make a way 
where there is no way. He will open doors of opportunity that no matter how cool you are or aren't, or how smart you are or aren't, will never open because he is a way maker. So can I encourage you, if you don't feel like you're in, if you don't feel like you're a part, enter into him. And he will make a way for you. He will open doors of opportunity. He will bring friendships into your life that you could never possibly imagine. He will open doors of opportunity within your workplace and within your family. Because he is able to make a way. Praise and thanksgiving will take you in to him. And he will take you everywhere you need to go. So, belong be in. The next one, be inseparable. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can I encourage you? And it's a reminder as we pray it, bring him into everything. Bring him into your every worry. Bring him into your every care. Bring him into your happiness and your sadness. Bring him in. Don't separate him out. Don't compartmentalize your life. Well, this is what I do with church. This is home. This is work. This is family. This is those other people who don't really fit anywhere else, but I'll just pop them there. God wants to be inseparable from all of your life. He wants to be in and a part of all of it. Let him infiltrate your life. Let him infiltrate your relationships. Let him infiltrate your workplace. Because as we do, his kingdom will come and his will will be done. And his kingdom is a kingdom of power. And his will is one that has a way and a purpose for your life that you could never possibly dream or imagine. And that is probably beyond your wildest dreams. Because he sees so much more and has so much hope and desire for you. And you know, sometimes we can think, but I just feel so far from God. You say, don't be inseparable, but I just don't even know where God is at the minute. I just feel so isolated. I feel so alone. Have you seen what I did? Have you seen what I'm doing? God doesn't want to come anywhere near me. The only walls and barriers that are there are the ones that we build ourselves. And God is there knocking on your walls and barriers and saying bring them down because I want to come in bring them down because I want to heal you bring them down because I want to forgive you bring those walls down repent say you're sorry and the walls will come tumbling down Romans 8 35 to 39 says this can anything ever separate us from Christ's love Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scripture says, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced, I am convinced 
that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, no death, no life, no fear, no worry, nothing can separate you apart from the things we build up ourselves, because that's the only thing it doesn't say. The one thing that can separate you from God is you. God wants to be inseparable. He has done everything in his power when Jesus died on the cross so that he tore the veil so that you can come into him and be inseparable. So give him your sadness. Give him your worries. Give him your sin. Give him the things that you build up and ask him to forgive you. Ask him to heal you. And as he comes in, then there is an inseparableness that will carry you through the journey. And as his kingdom come, and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it says of heaven that before him, it's like glass. It's still. There is peace. There is no calamity. There is no alarm. There is no panic or fear or concern. There is peace. And in that place, you can meet and find with him over all those things that could separate you and bring them to him and lay them there and experience instead his love and his grace and his peace for your life and your troubles. Be inseparable. Go on a journey to be inseparable because life and things happen but let's start again and draw close as he wants us to be. The next one is this. Be full. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus calls himself the bread of life. He is the great satisfier. You can be satisfied in him. He's already promised in Psalm 23, it says, I shall not be in want. David knew it. David knew that there was a satisfaction in God that nothing else could meet. There is a satisfaction for you with God that nothing else will meet. Can I encourage you? Invite him in. Let him fill you. Let him satisfy your every need. Our girls, they'll have the tea and they perhaps leave a little bit on the plate and they'll say, I'm full. Well, no, they're not. They're just full of that and they want some pudding. It's like, well, finish your plate and then you can perhaps have some pudding. But Paul blames my parents for always doing pudding when they come round. I blame him for always having a little chockey after his main meal. But they think they're full and they're not. They're just full of that. And sometimes we can try and fill ourselves with so many different things, can't we? And try and be full of it. And things can be addictive, like chocolate and 
whatever your thing is. I've recently had to go on this low-salt diet that the hospital have put me on to try and help with a hearing difficulty that I've got. Do you know how hard it is to eat two grams of salt a day and no more? Salt's in everything. Salt's in, like, squash. Salt's in bread. It's like, I love bread. Salt's in cheese. It's in everything. You look when you go home, salt is in everything. Two grams of salt a day. And, you know, when I first started, I said to Julie in the office, it was really funny, I said, you know what, Julie, I just feel empty. And she said, oh, no, do you? And she thought I meant, like, spiritually. And then I was like, no, I just, I've just, my stomach due. It's all right. Calm down. It's fine. <laughs> but bless her. How lovely and kind. I was just talking about my stomach. And I just, I started this. And so I've had to give up, like, chocolate and cheese and bread and all them nice things and crisps and just everything. So it's like fruit and vegetables and rye vita crackers. And rice crackers with no flavour. Like soggy popcorn. If you want to punish yourself, buy a packet of that. <laughs> Sit and eat them. But you know what? I suddenly began to realise, actually I don't feel empty because I'm not hungry. So I'm not actually, I don't, I'm not hungry I am full of the things I'm eating. I'm, I'm full and I'm, I'm healthy. It's not making me unwell. And I suddenly realised that all that rubbish that I like to eat, all the biscuits and the chocolate and all the nice white bread and the cheese and the halloumi cheese, how much salt's in that? That would like to give me a month, just one slice. All of those things, actually, they're not good for me. Especially in the amounts I was eating them. They're not good for me. And so I suddenly realised that actually I was just full of rubbish. So I feel empty because I'm not filling myself with that rubbish anymore. And you know, our lives can be like that sometimes. Sometimes we feel like, I feel empty. I don't feel like anything's satisfying me. But you know, there's a different satisfaction that comes from being not hungry than that comes from eating a load of rubbish. Because you feel full because actually you're getting fat. And sometimes we're getting fat on things that are no good for us. So we think that actually I need to fill my life. I need to fill my life with these relationships. I need to fill my life with, with these things that I'm doing. I need to fill my life with these things. But actually, they don't fill us and they cause us to get fat in ways that's unhealthy for us. And it can be so hard to wean ourselves off of those things. Because otherwise, the things that are good for us, that are actually filling, but not fattening feel different and so can I encourage you when you lay those things aside that are no good for you those relationships those things that you go out and do those habits that you've perhaps got when you lay them aside don't think I'm not being satisfied by God I need something I need this I need this thing I need this relationship I need no Actually, it is causing you to be sluggish and fat. Not personally, just spiritually. I'm not calling you all fat. 
But there's a different satisfaction that comes from God that is longer lasting, that causes health to grow within you. It's not bread. I love bread. I know. But I wish it wasn't bread because I can't eat it. Somebody find some no-salt bread for me. Do you know what? God fills in a different way than this world. And can I encourage you? Don't be misled by the fullness you feel from the world and from the enemy and from all of those things than that comes from God because it feels different. And I tell you what, I feel a million times healthier and a million times more flexible. And I feel like I can touch my toes without bending over things that shouldn't be there in my stomach area. And the top of my thighs no longer meet. And when I brush my teeth, I no longer jiggle. That's always been a sure sign for me. If when I brush my teeth, things jiggle about, I need to lose a bit of weight. I don't worry about the scales, it's just the teeth test. God satisfies in a way that the world doesn't. Don't be misled by how the world makes you feel full and by how God satisfies. Because there's something different that comes from the satisfaction with God and from the love of God and how he fills you. It's completely different. The next one, is, oh sorry, I've got a scripture for you. Philippians 4:19. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. God will provide everything you need, everything that you need. Not always everything you want. I want some chocolate. It ain't happening. But everything I need satisfies me. Though it doesn't feel and look the same. The next one is this, and I'm going to run out of time in a minute. Be free and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Galatians 5 verse 1 says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You know, if we don't forgive, then bitterness creeps in. If we don't forgive, then anger creeps in. If we don't forgive, then frustration creeps in. And it's not easy to forgive. And that's why it's there as a daily thing. Choose to forgive those people who've hurt you. Choose to forgive those circumstances that have gone on and caused you pain. Make a conscious choice. I remember being taught when I was about 20 that forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice that you make. And this has been my prayer since, this prayer that I was taught. God, I choose to forgive whoever, whatever. Help me work through my emotions. Bring them into line with you. Can I encourage you, if you take nothing else from today, take that prayer with you. Because you will never, ever, ever feel like forgiving someone. Because they've hurt you. Unless they come and apologize and things are restored. But sometimes they aren't. Forgiveness is not how we feel. You don't have to wait until you feel nice and rosy about someone to forgive them. You have to wait for nothing. Make a choice. Because otherwise bitterness and anger and frustration will breed within you. And that will be what comes out of you. 
can I encourage you? Make that choice today. Say that prayer today and say it daily, even if it is through gritted teeth at times, because that's when God's really working a work within your emotions and helping you to move on and move forward. The next one is this, be led. It says, lead us not into temptation. You know, we can be tempted to do things. We can be tempted to go places. We can be tempted to stay just where we are. We can be tempted to return to our past. We can be tempted to fear. We can be tempted in many, many ways. And we often look at it as in being tempted to do something that's wrong, to do something that we perceive as sin. But actually, the enemy will come and will tempt you to return to your past and look at it. The enemy will tempt you to stay where you are and not move on through fear. The enemy will tempt you in all these ways so that you don't become all in who God is calling you to be. But the Lord's Prayer says, lead us not into temptation. Well, if he's leading us not into temptation, he's leading us somewhere else. Allow him to take you out of where you are. Let him lead you and be led to a place of restoration, of healing, of health. Allow him to lead you. You know, the enemy wants to constantly remind us of our past, of our fears. Whatever it is for you, it can be many things. And when he comes knocking on your door to remind you, remember who the one is who is leading you and remind him what his future is because he's got none. He's defeated. He has been overcome. And he has a limited time to sort of come along and upset your life. But if you allow Jesus Christ to be the one who leads you and you pay no heed to his temptations to go to those dark places, to live in your fear, to sit in your self-pity, whatever it is, then you'll not be led into temptation, but you'll be led to a spacious and a good place with God. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. If you allow Jesus to lead you, then he will lead you to a place where you can soar. Psalm 23 verse 3 says, He restores my soul. Let him lead you from that place where you can be tempted to a place of restoration. Vic Warren says this. God promises are true even when they don't appear to be true in your life. God promises that he will restore us. God promises that he will set us free. And in those times when those promises don't seem true because of your circumstances, can I encourage you, let him still lead you. Many of you will know that at Christmas time, just gone, my mum was seriously ill in hospital and we nearly lost her. And we're very blessed that she's still with us today and thankful for the miracle that God worked. And you know, afterwards it's left me being tempted to fear again being tempted to live in worry about our health, being tempted to go to that place. 
And daily I have to remind myself that Jesus is leading us, that Jesus is her healer, that Jesus is the one who made a way where there was no way, and so she's still with us today. And I have to stand against them temptations when they come. I have to stand against them thoughts when they come. When those thoughts come, allow Jesus to lead you into his promises. Allow Jesus to take you somewhere where there's truth and not where there's lies and despair. God's promises are true, even when they don't appear to be true in your life. The next one, be held. The Lord's Prayer says, deliver us from the evil one. Jesus wants to hold you in those dark times, in those valleys, in those heartaches, when you feel like you've been stabbed in the back. Jesus wants to hold you. Psalm 23 verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesus is your comfort when the enemy comes. Jesus is your comfort in your darkest of days. Jesus is the one who is there and will hold you through every hardship, through every difficulty. Hebrews 13 verse 5, and it's the second part, it says, For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And when you feel like darkness is closing in, and it's hard, let him be near. Let him deliver you from the evil one. Let him be your help and your support. Let him love you through it all. And I'm going to conclude with this. And those of you who realise I've got to the end of the Lord's Prayer, so just added an extra one on. And it's this. Believe. Believe. And we can talk about all those other things. We can talk about belonging. We can talk about being in. We can talk about being inseparable. We can talk about being full. We can talk about being free. We can talk about being led and being held. But if we don't believe... Faith turns the promises into a reality in your life. We can know what those promises are. Oh, well, I know God says this, and I know God says this, and I know God says this. But if we don't believe, if faith does not arise within us and change what we perceive and what we think, then God's ability is minimized in our eyes. But faith makes God huge. Not even as big as he actually is, but it makes him bigger than our circumstances. It makes him bigger than everything that goes on around us. It makes him bigger than the troubles in this world. Because when we believe, God's ability is maximized in our lives and in our circumstances. John 20, 26 to 29 says this. And you may think, what am I trying to get at with this? But just please bear with me. This is after Jesus had died and he'd been back and he'd visited the disciples. And Thomas, one of the disciples, had not been there previously when Jesus had appeared. And he'd not yet seen him, he'd just heard. And it says, eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them and greeted them. 
Then he said to Thomas, put your finger into my hands. Put your hand into my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas said. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. But blessed are those who haven't seen me and believe anyway. That's you. You're blessed because you've not seen him. You've not physically seen him, but you've believed anyway. You've believed anyway. And like Thomas, our cry should be in and through the daily, my Lord and my God. Because if he is Lord and he is God, no matter what comes at us, he is bigger, he is greater And that is what we have to remember. We have to remind ourselves of who he is. We have to remember what he has done. We have to remain in his promises and in his word. Because it's the same power that Christ raised from the dead that is available in in us. It's the same victory that was achieved on the cross that the promises say are available to you in and through your circumstances. It's the same promise of salvation. It's the same promise of eternal life that is there and available to you. And you know, so often I think, if the band would like to join me, so often I think it's because we forget. We forget who God is. We forget that he's with us. We get caught up with everything else. And I remember being at a really difficult stage in my life. And lots of different things had gone on. And I remember sitting and crying at at a meeting that was like at a Christian camp. And there was lots of people there that I knew. and, And not one of them came over and just sort of gave me a hug. And I sat and I wept and I wept. And suddenly I really felt God penetrate me and say to me, I will be enough for you. And later a few people said, I really wanted to come and just sit with you because you were obviously really struggling, but I felt God told me not to. God wants to be in your daily when you are alone and he wants to be enough for you. God is enough for you. He promises that he will never leave you or forsake you. He promises that he will make a way where there is no way. He promises all of these amazing promises for your life. But so often, we just forget he's there. We forget this power that we've got. And we remind ourselves on a Sunday, but then as we go through the week, we just, we forget. We forget the power. We forget the victory. But he is and he will be enough for you in your circumstances. He is and he will be enough for you. It's the same power. It's the same victory. It's the same promise. Let's just pray and then I'm going to read Psalm 23 to you. Father God, I thank you for the Lord's Prayer. I thank you that you taught us how to pray. And I pray that daily we'll be reminded that you are our Father in heaven. And that you are enough for us. And this morning, God, I pray that if there are people who just don't know that and think, I just want to 
just start this relationship with Jesus. And Father God, I pray that you would speak into their lives. And if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you, come and speak to one of us afterwards. We'd love to pray with you. But God, I pray that we would know you as enough throughout the week. We would know you as enough for us in all things and through all things. Help us to remember, remind us of your promise. And God, help us this week to remain in you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm just going to read Psalm 23 and then the band are going to play. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord 